today I'm joined on the podcast by Keith Salmon. Keith is a born and bred scouser and a massive Liverpool fan. He's travelled all around the world following the Reds and is the author of the book Dreams and Songs to Sing, published in 2009. Keith, thanks for giving up your time today, mate, and thanks for being the first on the podcast. You're welcome, Mike. I'm very proud to be asked, mate, to be the first. <laughs> Big, uh, big uh, trip up to Ramsey in the sun. I know, all, all the way over the mountain, it terrifies <laughs> me too. But... Right, we'll get straight into it then. Um, if you can take us back to where it all began, so where you were born in Liverpool and how did your love for Liverpool Football Club begin? Well, I was uh, born by the docks in a place called Bootle, where Jamie Carragher's from actually, so uh, not far from, from his stomping ground. Um, we moved more towards the north, not far from Inter Racecourse when I was about five. But uh, from there, that, that was my match-going experience. It was, was from that house, not yeah. far from uh, from Ainsley Racecourse. Was um, I used to go with my dad, but it, it was like went the reserves in, in those days. You could go to the reserve matches. My dad had the season ticket, so he got in free, and kids went for free. And the old main stand, I always remember with uh, like the wooden seats. It was like a playground for us because you know, like reserves, pretty well populated. Probably had a couple of thousand people in that old main mm-hmm. stand. But you go and you, you get like an orange juice or a cup of Oxo, which I can't stand to this day, <laughs> to be fair. And then like dev, dev fly cakes with your Eccles cakes and all that sort of stuff. But at half time, because you, you could go and run around at half time and, you know, my dad would watch the football and I'd watch a bit. Like, and instead of like going to like the first team where actually go, it'd be a waste of money, whatever, like that, I actually got to see. And, you know, like my heroes in those days were people like Huey McCauley and all, all these people. Huey McCauley ended up coaching. In Liverpool, but he was like the hero. But he hardly yeah, played for the first team. I don't think he even even had a, a, a first team appearance. But he played regular for the reserves. Steve Grozovic was in the reserves, and you know, loads of these names were like you know, sort of the people I watched all the time. I didn't get to see the first team, but I always remember my dad took me the first time to see um, the first team play, and it was a surprise. So uh, we got on the bus and, and our, our, our way of going, we always got on the bus and we got to the bottom of Everton Valley and we walked up Everton Valley and it was always, you know, no one there because he had a couple of thousand max for the reserve. And this day we we, uh, we got um, we got on the bus and the bus was rammed and I went, where are all these people going, Dad? And I don't think he was expecting the, uh, the, the question, to be fair. I think he was just expecting me to be ignorant. Yeah. I went, it's, it's not usually this busy. He went, you, all, you must all be going to Quicksave. <laughs> so I went, oh, it's going to be busy in the Quicksave, isn't it? And I remember we walked up the hill and we walked up towards uh, the car park on the side of the main stand and it was so busy I'd never seen so many people yeah. I said there are lots of people in the reserves today isn't there, Dad? Like, you know, and, it, and this was uh, 1972 so I'd be uh, just six six years of age, right. really, and uh, it was just so many people. I'd never seen that, and he kept tight over me hand and that. And because I mean, you normally go, well, you'd be all right, like, but actually, keep tight over. We took me in on the ground. I'd, I walked up them steps for the first time and saw the pitch, and I was done. Yeah, that green grass, and it was. You know, probably not long before kickoff, and the ground was pretty busy because in those days, you know, it was, it was pretty full already. Yeah. And uh, I, I looked at the cop, and I was just mesmerised by this like seething massive humanity. Like it yeah. was just rammed. You know what I mean? And we were in the main stand, and um, I think it was I was in my uncle's season ticket seat next to my dad, and. Um, it was like that was it, and he goes. I said, "Oh, God, I'll just go and get an Eccles cake." He went, "Oh, not today. You can't go. It'll be too busy." I was like, "But, but I love it. That's what I do." <laughs> and um, I remember Liverpool played West Brom, and uh, they won two nil. 
And um, the only reason I saw one of the goals was it was a penalty. Otherwise, I wouldn't have seen it because I was just busy watching yeah. watching people and watching the cop. And like I, I couldn't understand why Huey McCauley wasn't playing. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Lawler scored. I, and I, I, I used to love Chris Lawler. And Kevin Keegan was playing and Toshach and Emlyn Hughes and all these boys. Ray Clements was in goal. And it was amazing. And it was like that going, I'm doing this every week now. He goes, are oh, you not? <laughs> <laughs> so it's between that and the Eccles so, cake. <laughs> so I can't remember the next time I went, but yeah. I'll tell you what, it wasn't every week. So, um, And then I, I got a season ticket, I think it was 77-78 uh, was my first season ticket. Oh, then. Right. So who'd been manager then? In 77-78, uh, it'd be Paisley. Yeah, um, when I first went, Shanks was the yeah. man. So like, I... I I don't remember watching him on the line. That's my biggest regret going. I just watched the cop. Yeah. And it's like, do you know, it's like, I remember the ball hitting the back of the net and it was brilliant, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And everywhere went mad. The feeling. And yeah, just the feeling of it. And actually, every time I go to match now, you still walk up them steps from the bowels of the ground and you see the green pitch, you go, ah, yes. Yeah, I do the same. I mean, yeah. like, for my first was, so my first was in 2006. It was after Istanbul. Fowler scored it was 1-0 against Bolton and I always remember I think I so I must have been about so I'd have been 10-11 about 10 yeah just after Sambul and then like much like yourself the green pitch it's like an illuminous sort of yeah. it's the vibrant isn't it the green it <clears throat> so smashing the face yeah, against everything else in those days everything else was quite dull around you know people yeah. would rest dull and you know like it was a it was a probably a dull time in the 70s you, yeah, know, yeah. you know people didn't have money for you know like you go to go to match now and everyone's in like big house coats and luminous yeah. colours and that you don't know whether you got red or like all these yeah. colours that probably didn't even exist in the 70s but yeah you never forget the first time no and so, you know and it's the same when I took Charlie for his first time and, I, and even Izzy my daughter I took her for the first time as well mm. like that you see the the wide eyed innocence and they love it yeah. they love it and it's like that never leaves you and everyone you speak to no matter what club they support mm. they always remember that first time whether yeah. it be a big club or a little club or yeah. whatever and they, they just love it it's like a first love never dies it is and it's it's in, it's a time of innocence yeah so actually it's not being poisoned by things that have happened afterwards or money or mm. you, you know you never really realise like sometimes you go and watch football clubs now and you go those fellas on the pitch don't care well yeah. you actually believe they care about everything mm-hmm. and they, you know they, they did at the time you know it was a, probably a, a little bit more honest side the, 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 the money of it wasn't the most important thing it was yeah. the fact was they were pulling the red kit on and mm. and like they were your team it was a working class game really back in those days wasn't it really it? So, was yeah mm. it, it, you know at the end of the day it was true working class game you mm. know and actually it was it was very male dominated then you very rarely saw women or girls or anything like that and it, it was a male thing but it was a male pursuit I, I remember my dad um, pretty much we hardly saw him as kids because he'd work from six in the morning to six at night in a bakery mm-hmm. and he'd come home and you know, you, you'd be like, you know, he'd probably see you at your worst really because you were tired after all day and he was tired and that. And then on a Sunday, he'd have to do overtime so to make ends meet. And, you know, so of a Saturday, his Saturday, it was Saturday afternoon was going to match. Okay, Saturday morning, he had to take us swimming. 
okay, because Saturday afternoon was his time to go to match, have a couple of pints with the lads. And that was his only pleasure in life with yeah. football, you know, and that's it. Whereas we're a lot luckier than that, you know, mm. when, you, when you look at it, you, some of the things we done, my dad couldn't afford to do. Yeah. But when he was, he was younger, before he had kids, he did the home and away bit as well, which is what I, I got to do, which, yeah. you know, and this is, you know, and I know you probably ask questions about this soon, but that's about being a football fan. It's not actually about what happens on the pitch. Yeah, it's the master experience and yeah. everything that comes along with it. That's it. Meeting people and obviously that's what... Meet a lot of people meet, meet mates and stuff there and yeah. you've got mates for life and that's how... Well, I, I actually, obviously living now in the Isle of Man, I've got friends here, but my real mates... Yeah, yeah. If anyone's listening, I must apologise, but my <laughs> real mates are the lads I go to match with. Yeah. And actually, sometimes I see them in Liverpool, sometimes I see them in Barcelona, sometimes I see them in Kiev. Yeah. Kiev like, you know what I mean? That's where you meet your mates. And actually, my mates are great because it doesn't matter that you live away. As soon as you hook up with them, it's like you were there yesterday. Mm. But the thing that binds us together is always the football. Mm-hmm. It's always football. We, you know, to be fair, we hardly ever speak to each other outside of football. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm, a bit of, I'm the same. Yeah. It's nothing uh, nothing family orientated. It's all about football first. Don't say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's because you're Lauren's out of the house now. <laughs> right, I'm not telling my missus to listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's fair to say once you went to your first game, that was you hooked then? Yeah. I, I, to be fair, I was probably hooked before I went to that. You know? yeah. I learned to read. Through football because I, oh, really? I was I was a I was a slow starter. I think my dad my dad would call it something else, but um, I didn't want to read. I mm. had no interest in reading, and I'd say to him every Saturday night, "Do you know how did Liverpool get on?" And he'd go, "Oh yeah, two one two now." Read the report to me. Read the report. And he goes, "Oh," and at one point he just got so fed up with reading the report. He went, read it yourself. But I can't read. He said, well, you'll have to learn to read. So I learned to read through the Football Echo, the pink. Oh, really? And it was, uh, yeah, and, you know, it was, uh, I could read how Liverpool got on, I could see the headlines, and I I learned my maths from the football tables. And at that point, it was two points for a win. So I knew how many points Liverpool had, how many games he won, how many they'd lost, how many they'd drawn, what the goal difference was, how many goals he's got. That's how I learnt my maths. Oh. And I learned how many points he needed to win the league or how many points someone would be if they, if they didn't get this amount of points to get relegated and stuff like that. Mm. So I learnt my maths. And actually, I use this technique now for learning for Charlie. Mm. He's passionate about his football. Mm. That's how he's going to learn. A lot of kids actually learn a lot of maths and stuff like that through uh, FIFA. Yeah, you look at FIFA. Like Charlie's saying, I've got this uh, SBC and Bayer, and it's like this virtual squad and this, and, and he's a ninety-nine pace. And I think, whoa, whoa, whoa like that. <laughs> and if I do that, I can increase it by. Yeah, yeah. And you think, oh, I'm crying out loud. Just took it on a different gear. But actually, I use football as his learning platform. Mm-hmm. Geography was where's where's Kiev go and find Kiev on a map how am I going to get there and mm. he, he can actually work out a journey to get there if we got to Istanbul this year he had a plan really? he had a proper plan yeah and it was flying to Odessa and getting a boat overnight from Odessa <laughs> to, to Istanbul it was you like you had your card out that wall straight away with me yeah yeah <laughs> brilliant so obviously you've said about your first match yeah. your first match day experience what does a standard match day look like for you now? And comparing it, going to the match now, is, what's the, ma- the massive difference that you see from back in your first, for the first days of going? Is yeah. there anything from that stands an, out? Well, from, 
it, it's probably the comparable bit is the adult match day, as I suppose. You know, I said, you know, there's more colour and more vibrancy, and it's it's about money now. Everything's designed to take money out your pocket yeah. around the match day experience. Obviously, a lot more corporate. There was no corporate stuff when I was young. But even when I started going, I, my my real match going days were. 80s, 90s and early 2000s since I've been here I haven't been able to go as much mm-hmm. so you do recognise a bit more um, and like when, when I used to go in the 80s I wouldn't even go for a drink after the match or, or before the match I'd go the match because I'd go home and away so actually if I went to the pub after the match or before the match in Liverpool I didn't have enough money to go away right. so actually I wanted to go with the away matches and it was like that you know, so all my money every penny I had spare went on following Liverpool mm-hmm. so for like I think it was five years I never missed a match home and away Yeah, and you know um, it was when they were out of Europe so it was all domestic stuff but I, I, you know, I, I know the ins and out of every nook and cranny of England <laughs> just because Liverpool yeah. I mean to places that you would go that you would never ever go if it wasn't for football but it was it was a lot of it was you know home matches was going on the bus getting to the match standing in the same place in the cop meeting the same people and the camaraderie around there the away matches was more about driving to away matches with the same group of guys we had we had about eight of us but I would drive everywhere I'd be the designated driver oh, right. okay. I didn't drink mm-hmm. so they were quite happy because they could have all the pints but <laughs> I, I was quite happy to get there and back I was the yeah. first one to have a car so the, the the real dynamics was the the away match the away match actually was better than the home match so that the the experience then become that uh, but now when I go over it's my social time as well so actually I go to pub before the match and I go to pub after the match and go to town until yeah I don't go to Pop World because I'm too old <laughs> but um, you know yeah you know we gotta go to town and go to Lobster Pot on the way home and, yeah because I can still stay at my mum my mum's still alive in Liverpool yeah. um, so I've got a place to stay. And I'll have a few beers, do you know what I mean? Mm. It's nice and it's social and that's it. But I, I only get to do that maybe six or seven times a season. Mm. So when you do do it, you appreciate doing it. Yeah, time much out. more. Yeah. And, and to be fair, it, it's back to, back to the early days. I don't go out in the Isle of Man. Yeah. Because actually my money goes on mm-hmm. when I go over there. And obviously a match day will be the travel bit from here is the big bit is you, you're either going on a boat or on a plane. Yeah. And in the summer, you go for the boat because it's cheaper. You know, it can be an early start or sometimes I'll go over on the Friday night tea time boat yeah. and then I've got all day Saturday and Sunday. But obviously that, that that's an impact at home because I'm not around for pretty much a full weekend then. So I, I always say to Nikki, I said, all I've got is my football. She said, oh, I said, I don't do anything else but my football. She goes, yeah, but when you go, you go for like three days at a time on mm-hmm. a bender. I go, oh, well, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, though. You've got to be done, isn't it? Yeah, so it's a lot more social for me now. And actually, do you know, I can't go to away matches because actually you can't get tickets. Mm-hmm. Whereas back in the day, I could get as many tickets as you wanted. Yeah. The, you know, there's, there's this myth about the 80s that the, the ground was rammed all the time. It was full. It wasn't. If you look at, um, like, um, capacity, not capacities, um, you know, what the crowd figures were. They were quite low. You know, early in the season, you're looking at anything between 24 and 30,000 early mm-hmm. on. Where it got busier was as it got towards winning leagues and stuff like that, and, that, and big matches people had turned out. But in Liverpool in the 80s, there was no money around. Mm-hmm. So actually, you're, it was a case of you either ate or you went the match. If, mm-hmm. you, if you could do both, brilliant. Yeah. You know, and I was lucky I had a job from when I was like 19 that had money in my pocket, so I, I could actually... 
and and where, where it was was I lived at home for a long time I lived at home till I was 28 because I could, that could help me travel all around England watching Liverpool mm-hmm. if I had my own house with a mortgage and stuff like that would never be able to do it yeah. and you know you see a lot of lads now who are still doing it who were doing it back in the day mm. it's still a life but you know sometimes you, you have to think about other things and the main priority for me is the family you know football is mm. not the biggest thing in, in my life yeah it's the biggest thing of the of the less important thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? I suppose I'm going down that path myself. Obviously, yeah. I've got Tommy now, so he's 18 months. And, you know, you touched on it there. You kind of, that's your time out. So I, I don't really go out in the aisle, man, as much anymore. Yeah. I'll save my money and I'll go, right, I'm going to go to this match. Yes. And I'm going to save. I'm going to do this when I'm there. I'm going to do that when I'm there. That's when I'm seeing you. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I enjoy it more. I, I get more of a buzz. It's less is more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm completely there with you now. Um, obviously, you've touched on it there. You've got your son, Charlie. Yeah. Because you take to the games now. So I've met Charlie. Yeah. He's a great lad. Once met, never forgot. <laughs> <laughs> he probably knows more about the players than they know about themselves. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Especially um, FIFA, yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, want, I just wanted to wonder how your match day changes with him now. With him, yeah. And what do you most enjoy about taking him? To be fair, it can be hard work mm. <laughs> taking a kid to the match. Yeah, you, you you have to go. You give yourself up. It's not about you anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know it, it is. You you have to, especially when they're young. When you're young, it takes it over. So, for instance, do you know you will sit in the pub, and you know you go like that. You're trying to talk to your mate, and he's like pulling on you. I'm going, come on, dad, come on, dad. We can go now. I said, hold on, we're gonna meet the lads and stuff like that. And he goes. Oh come on, come on, come on, come on! And you go like it's like two hours before kickoff, and he wants to be by the ground, but mm. he doesn't want to be by the ground by anything. It's just like you know, just go. Well, part of the fun is like meeting your friends and having a chat and doing like that. Yeah. So as he was really young, you're doing it. Then he gravitated towards sitting there with a with a with a glass of coke while you're having a drink with the boys, and then he'd be he'd be on the side of it. Then he gets to join in. So we're we're like he's 13 now. From, from I've been taking him from probably think it was seven or eight so he he's gravitated through now where he's sitting in the corner and laugh at his dad's yeah. jokes well actually more laugh at the other's jokes and just <laughs> go oh dad you're dead and bad <laughs> until the fact he's actually he's gone we, I took him to Madrid yeah. to the Atletico game and um, that was a real challenge you know two days away staying up till late you know like making sure if there's any bother anywhere that you're not in the way of it yeah. you know it's a real you give a lot of yourself up because actually it's not about you. You're caring about the the, the little one with you, mm-hmm. um, and actually he got it because he had a ball. He had an absolute ball, and he was well. He was getting fed free tapas all day long <laughs> and coke. You know what? What can you got you it? Like? Yeah, I suppose those sort of games are perfect because yeah. you're really giving him the European experience. Yeah. You're trying the cuisine, but seeing the know, sights. You know how tiring it is, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, Definitely. like we we left uh, the Isle of Man on the Monday morning at 10 o'clock and we get to Barcelona at 8 o'clock at night and then we go out for tapas and he eats too much tapas he goes oh my stomach I think oh he's going to be sick all the way home like. <laughs> but then then we're up early we're up at 7 to go and get a train to Madrid and all this sort of stuff and he's having an absolute ball but you just think oh my god how is he going to stay up till midnight because yeah, yeah. it doesn't kick off till 9 mm-hmm. by the time you get out the ground and all that 
and he was brilliant. And actually, we he went into a bar. Uh, um, we were in a bar till one 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 a.m. in the morning in Madrid because actually they liked that. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting down a bit more tapas. And at one, I went. It's time to go, mate. He's going. Oh, really? I went. Well, we're up at seven. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go again. But all of a sudden, and he, and when you look at the pictures, he's one of the boys. Yeah, yeah. he he gets it Understand now. It. So actually, when you take him next time, and and he's not stopped talking about it. So early on, you have to be. You know, it's not about you anymore. And I always remember my dad took me. Um, when I was younger and, and I, I'd sit in the corner of a pub me and my cousin we'd, look, we'd entertain each other so actually we're, I'm, I'm trying to entertain Charlie when there's two kids there they entertain each other bag of, bag of crisps and a, a bottle of pop that's how I grew up Yeah. and actually we used to be in pubs where the bricks would come through the windows and things <laughs> like that thankfully he doesn't have to face any of that but we were always protected by the people we were around and we were always looked after and the barmaids loved you. Yeah. And actually, you know, I always remember getting a harmonica off a barmaid for Christmas one year. And it was like <laughs> that, you know, I was like, well, you shouldn't have to do that. But actually, it was like, because you were good kids and you were there like that. And I loved going with my dad. And I, the first time I heard him swear was funny. And he went, don't tell your mum. <laughs> and I have never told my mum my dad swears. Because <laughs> what goes the match stays the match. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I remember my dad taking me I think it was uh, 82 and 83. Liverpool played Tottenham one year and uh, Man United uh, the following year, I think it was, or the other way around. And it was at Wembley in the League Cup. And they were dodgy days out. You went on the special and then uh, when you got off the special, the whole of London had turned out to fight the, to fight the Scousers and the Manx and all this sort of stuff. And it was it was probably terrifying for me, Dad, because he's got this kid next to him. Yeah, yeah. What, like, what would I be? Uh, probably... F- uh, be 15, 16, but still young. Mm. And I was going, oh yeah, this is great. And he's going, watch the bricks and all that. Yeah. Sort of stuff. Some from and, Green Street. And actually you're going to go, well, you, you know, you give up going with his mates just to be with me, to look after me so yeah. I could go. Experience it's a selfless it. act, really. So, you know, what I've been able to do with Charlie now is get him with my mates. And my mates were brilliant with him, you know. Mm. So, that, you know, it, that, that's the difference. Yeah. You've got it all to come, mate, with Tommy. I know. Yeah, I can see the picture of him now. <laughs> he's I know. like, <laughs> I don't know how he'll take it. <laughs> well, it, to, to be honest with you, it, it, you've got to get him at the right age. Yeah. Too soon, because especially coming from here, where we're nice and quiet and that, the experience of massive crowds is quite like, it can be overwhelming. Quite daunting. Mm. Yeah, but you know, Charlie, and, and Izzy was great when she went as well. She only been once, but she just want to go again. She just yeah. went with her dad and she loved it. Got a pink Liverpool scarf, <laughs> loved the game. She cheered when she was supposed to cheer and she went home happy, do you know what I mean? So, Been there, done that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's it. Off, yeah. off the tick list. I'd rather go shopping to New Look with my mum. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose it's a good point. You can't take them too young because, you know, they can get scared. And I suppose, touching on it there, you're watching out for them the whole day. You don't want something to you, put them off going the match yeah, again, do you? Yeah, you end up not watching the game yeah. most of the time. And especially if they're at the point where going, I need a wee. I need a wee every yeah. five minutes. And you go... <sighs> so, like, when he was seven... He was all right, but you still can't go for a wee on his own. Mm-hmm. Now, now he can go to the toilet on his own. You don't, you're not, you're not scared of him going to the toilet on his own because you know you, you've got to be careful nowadays. You know, and yeah, definitely. While yeah. you be looked after, it's still if you get lost in that crowd, you're never getting found. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't want someone to go. Oh, you know, he gets lost and he's terrified. So you know, it is. It's a massive responsibility, but it is the nicest thing I've ever done for him. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've given him that passion. 
Like he's so passionate now, it's unbelievable. Yeah, he gives him the platform to go and do it, and if yeah. he wants to do it, that's he'll what do he it wants to do when he grows yeah. up. Yeah, he wants to go round round the world watching Liverpool. Well, there's no better life, mate. No, crack on. <laughs> <laughs> so touched on away days there. What's your favourite away you've done? And I mean, for me personally, I've done. I think I've done six or seven aways now. Um, most of them under the Klopp era. Um, for me, the actual ninety minutes isn't. No. We're thinking about it's the it's the sometimes going, it's the worst part of the trip on yeah. the day yeah yeah so terrible. you can't do nothing about the ninety minutes so it's the traveling to different places it's trying a different cuisine if you're on the Europeans which yeah. we're obviously lucky enough to do <laughs> going and seeing the sites and obviously we, before we started recording you were saying about going to places in Britain that you'd never been before you'd probably never, never go, go to. again yeah yeah. yeah 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 so yeah what are your thoughts around your favorite aways and um, is the traveling the best part. There's nothing better than watching Liverpool win on in an away game in Europe or anything like that. And actually, the, 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 you touched on it there. The European experience is the is the one really because actually, it's totally different. Where you know you, you've probably been to English towns and cities throughout your life and stuff, and most of them, are, you know, there's, there's a familiarity about it. But when you go on a, like a foreign place, when you when you when you see something that you've never seen before, it's it's totally different. And I think the the one on that score would be for me would be Kiev yeah because it was like nothing I'd ever seen before to a point <laughs> because well t- to be fair Kiev was a strange place but Ukraine was a strange place Ukraine had western elements of it but then like bits of like what you would expect a communist era Cold War places like communist Russia to be like yeah you know big grey buildings but like one, one half of the city sparkled and the other half was like grey tenement blocks and it was like you know you can see they, there used to be an oppressive regime there and we stayed in a town called Lviv on the Friday night and Lviv we stayed on the outskirts and we walked into town about a 20 minute walk and it was a, a fella selling stuff to survive. And what he was selling was all he had in, in his in his in his little box of tricks was uh, a, a sprig of broccoli, and or a florist of broccoli, whatever you call it. You know, there's a bit of broccoli mm-hmm. in there, one potato and a tomato. That's all. And he was selling it, and he had like string gold in his pants up and something like that. There was sort of abject poverty on one element on the streets. They were like really surviving. Get in the middle of town. And it was like what I'd expect somewhere like Krakow to be or something like, you mm-hmm. know, like a, like a very yeah. westernised place where... Like, bars, etc. Yeah, bars, lovely town square, very affluent. And there was like, you know, Mercedes going around and all, you know, like... Oh, it was it was a very affluent place in the middle, but on the outskirts, it was like, it was a different town. Different, different world. world. Yeah. It was like a different era, to be fair. And Kiev was like that as well. And actually, I go, it was like a place I'd never been before. Language... Yeah. No, it's like uh, Cyrillic, I think they call it. Where you know you can't read it and you can't say it, you can't write it, you can't do anything <laughs> with it. You know, and and like it was cheap as chips as well. Yeah. But we met some lovely people. You know, we were at Liverpool Supporters Club on the Friday night there, and we had an absolute ball in in this place called Lviv. And it was most of the the Friday night was just being in a nice place in in Europe. The the ele- the last element was that the sports club become like a little bit of a scouse enclave and it was like scouse visitors and the Ukrainian Reds and yeah. they were really welcoming and it was really really nice and then on the Saturday when you we went to Kiev it was like went all the way on the street it was a five hour express train so that's how far it was away but it was a six o'clock train but then we had all day in Kiev and then we come back at six o'clock the next morning and I always say that is my favorite trip ever and even 
with the match, within an hour of the match finishing, the disappointment had gone. We were back having a drink and having a laugh and going, this is just boss. And I was with all my mates. And like, it was, it was amazing because you couldn't ring anyone there because you wouldn't use your mobile phone generally because actually the, the, the costs were oh, okay. really unbelievably high. So they were saying, don't use it, only use Wi-Fi and all that sort of stuff. Um, but actually, mates just kept appearing out of nowhere. When, when you think there's about probably 40,000 reds there, they just end up going, all right, so yeah. like they come and they go and all this sort of stuff. And it was really, really good. We had, we had our sport. Most reds who went to Kiev go, it's one of the best trips they ever did. So that beats Istanbul for you as well? Yeah, it does actually. Yeah, because Istanbul's a one-off. I think I'm in a different place in my life. I think hmm. so. Actually, maybe because it's the freshest. Because Istanbul was amazing, and Istanbul drove the book, which I know I know we're going to have a chat about. But that until Kiev, Istanbul was the one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but Kiev, it was unique. And it was like, it was like a real, it's a real eye opener. Yeah. <clears throat> and, do you know, I think maybe because as you get older, you start to look at things with different eyes. I think with, with, with Istanbul, it was a lot of trepidation because there was always this thing about, oh, there'll be trouble in Istanbul and all this sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And no one it was really in the middle of nowhere, wasn't it? The, the ground was, but, you know, also getting there, I, I went on my own to Istanbul and I come back on my own. I met my mates on the day. But everything else was on my own here. I had my mates with me on the journey. Yeah, yeah. And, and we did a great journey via Austria and this town called Lviv. And I went with lads from the Isle of Man. I went with the Brads and all those. And then I met uh, my mates in London and, you know, and then they joined up. So my mates were talking to my mates off the Isle of Man and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And they all got on and it was great. You like, meet I mean, people. And that, that, that's the main part so of think, it, isn't it? I think that's why it's better because yeah. it was like... It was it was an experience because of everybody who was involved, and there was loads of nice people involved. And then we had, we had, you know one of my mates come overnight on a on a on a bus from Poland, and on and we met him as we got off the train in Kiev. And so you know, for me, I think the the whole thing that that becomes my best trip ever. But as I say, I'm sitting here in my fifties now, looking at it a different way than probably when I was in my forties uh, or thirties. Yeah, I think you've hit the, hit the nail on the head. It's not the ninety minutes, is it? It's the no. it's the going and meeting people, new places. Yeah. So we did we did Roma in twenty eighteen. Yeah, oh no, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't I don't see anything like you say. So most people would expect you to say Istanbul, but obviously you've said Kiev. I think I could go to a final, get a ticket, watch us. I don't think anything will beat Rome. No, it had that old school sort of eighties. They hated us, we hated them. It had an edge to it, didn't yeah. it? It had a Obviously, real edge to it. To the things it. that were coming up before the home game when we played them, I went yeah. to that as well yeah. with Sean Cox. Well, I was literally 100 yards from Sean Cox when he, he'd got hit because they run past us and you're just like, well, mm. what's going on there? And, you know, and the, 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 that laid the trail for what would happen in Rome potentially. Yeah. And, you know, I've always said I would never go to Rome. So I got a ticket for Rome, but I passed it to me, mate, because I'd said, I've said forever I'm never going to Rome because I've been to Rome in 89 to watch Roma play uh, Atalanta it was and I just went never going there because they were stabbing people there yeah it's heavy isn't it and it wasn't the way I wanted to watch my football so my mate wanted to go I got my ticket looked after him but ultimately that got me my ticket for Kiev anyway you know what I mean so I mean we we were in the park for the home leg and me and Glover walked out and it was it was going it was mad there was fans running down Walton Breck it was was mental Um, 
only when we got in the ground and you, you go on Twitter you find out what happened mm. you're like there's me fucking sitting there in the main stand thinking shit I'm going to Rome next week guy from booked my mum's there texting me yeah, you're not fucking going to Rome going next to week Rome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought fucking am <laughs> <laughs> but you go and do you know what it, it, it was Sam wasn't it it was fine they put, the, it was. they put the buses on for us took us up to the ground I mean it probably would have been pretty heavy if they hadn't have done that but um, that it, it, it's funny. I I took Charlie to um, to watch Lazio play last uh, April. It was, and I I did the bit to get to the ground via other means. And you wouldn't survive because actually mm. the the bridges you got across to get to the ground to, to the ground you'd just be sitting dugs like dugs mm. so, sitting dugs <laughs> sitting ducks. Yeah, you know, and um, it's it's a bit of a heavy place. So I'd always said I wouldn't go there. Um, yeah, I've been I'm not to Milan. Sure. I've been to Milan. Milan was fine. Milan was all right, um, but yeah, Rome wasn't for me. Yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't know Italian away just because I think going over there, I'd be a bit more worried about what could or couldn't happen. But especially now you got Tommy as well. Yeah, you know what yeah I mean? there's it, more important things to think about. Isn't that, there? That's the thing is, you know, if you were unlucky or anything like that. Yeah. And, and to be fair, you got to, you know, it is a bit of luck, but actually, you do become a target. Mm. You know, and that's not the way it should be. And I'm quite lucky with most of the games I've been to, they've been all right. There's been little elements look of a trouble, but generally they're well pleased. And you know, if if you if you if you're not going looking for it, you're all right. And mm. Generally, Liverpool don't go looking for it. So yeah. do you know what I mean? So I've got to ask you about Istanbul. Istanbul. So that started the book. <laughs> <laughs> Gerard scores. Are you believing? I forget Gerard scored, and I, 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 I it had been knocked out. Um, when he got one, yeah. Did you and believe? Yeah. Like Barcelona last year, I said if you get one, they'd be rocking. And we had, we had that. Um, the, you, know, you never walk alone at half time. People going, it was more than, more in hope than anything. And you know, maybe it was, but it had this anthemic um, feel to it that actually. It was an inspirational thing. Sometimes, yeah, you never walk alone, and it's it's just another version of it. But this one was heartfelt, and it was slow, and it was very precise, and it was everything that the football song should be for, for us. Yeah. Sometimes people sing it too fast and all this sort of stuff, and everyone goes, "Oh, it's too fast." But actually, you go when it's at its best, and it was just like it was like saying, "We still believe in you." We're still and, here. Yeah, we're still here. You know, like there was 40,000 of us and like, you know, unfortunately we were going nowhere because it was miles away from yeah. here. <laughs> so even if you got out, you weren't getting anywhere. Yeah. So actually there's some people going, oh, I've got to go. And I, I, I've got a mate, Peter, he lives in Scotland and he's a massive red. He's, he's a little bit older than us, but he's been, you know, he, he's done he's done the miles and all this sort of stuff. And I, he come down at half time and he went, do you know what, we get one, we'll win this 4-3, he said. He said we went like that. So I found him full time and went, you're a liar. <laughs> I'm going to go through penalties His fault, we went to penos. <laughs> but he just thought, when he got one and he got the second so quickly and he could feel the momentum in the yeah. stadium. Because actually when he got one, the Italians were already nervous and mm-hmm. you just go, well, well, how can you be nervous when you were 3-0 up? 3-1, you go, oh yeah. I think they'd, they'd conceded something like four goals or something the whole tournament leading up to that. Yeah. It was just unbelievable. They they were the most amazing side, and actually, the 2005 Liverpool team was probably one of the poorer Liverpool teams yeah. at that point. We were lucky to be there, weren't we? Yeah, but, but they'd ridden they'd ridden away, but they'd had some fabulous performances mm. on the way as well. Like Juventus. You know, when you Juventus at home and stuff like that, and I like I was at the Olympiacos game. And uh, I was sitting next to my dad, and then obviously Gerard pulls that one out in the last couple of minutes, and he went. But they were so poor 
going up to it and there was a lot of angst around the club and it was like will, will Gerard stay will he go and all that and you, you, you couldn't feel there was no positivity around it but as that um, as that run went on he went like that and he went like that when he beat Juventus at home he went oh, maybe just maybe yeah. and then he got that great draw and Turin like you know and it was like come on and then when he got to Istanbul all day no one was not believing we were our name was on the trophy because the run we'd had and how we got there and the fact that we you know everything else in our game was not great but when you were in Europe they were fabulous you went it's it's the season this is the season no one can beat us and actually we never really looked at AC Milan about how good they really were we never looked at the had Crespo yeah. and all those boys we didn't we didn't really we weren't interested in Shevchenko we ruined Shevchenko yeah. his career was never the same again it's just like we just ruined Barcelona so do you know it's like at that point there was n- there was no disbelief and then all of a sudden after what less than a minute you're like that's going that wasn't in the script <laughs> and it was funny because I, I was stood um, in like the bottom corner of the Liverpool fans behind that goal and it was um, I was on my own and my mate was right behind the goal and at half time I went I thought I'll go and stand with him and just stood with him because actually you want to share it with the people you want to share with yeah. and he's the lad to stand next to all the time now when you go to my, go, my mate's hill and you go like that it was, it, I, I thought if we're going to go down and get battered I want to be next to him because he's more miserable than me mm. I thought I'd shoulders to cry on <laughs> <laughs> like that I'd, I'd probably I'd probably stop him like you know like being like going, not going home like because he'd yeah. be like that he, he, he was devastated at half time and then my mate comes down and goes do we get one and then when we got one and we got two and then we, we you know, right away he went we're going to win this mm-hmm. And it was funny because getting to full time and and also as as the as the minutes ticked down in extra time, you go you were just hanging in there because they were done for. The effort to get back in the game had wiped them out, and, and Milan came again. And then when Dudek made that save from Shevchenko, I was right behind that. And you went the first one. You went oh what a I saw, like that. And you you actually went oh no. And actually because you thought he can't miss in there, and all of a sudden the ball's bouncing towards us off the running track. You go. How did he say? It's that? like you've seen it in the net before it even happened. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you thought we, he's, the, the first save from Dudek's amazing because it's a great save. But you go, Shevchenko can't, he can't miss it. Yeah, because and actually, Shevchenko um, Dudek puts his hand up and it just basically hits it, doesn't it? But that's what goalies train, isn't it? Get your hands up and do all this sort of stuff, and it's a reaction thing. And at that point, you go, "There's no way they're not winning penalties." <laughs> you know what I mean? And when he did. And I remember, head was banging because there was no water in the ground. There was like head was banging, and you couldn't believe what you'd seen. You were like that going, pinch me. I can't, I can't believe what you see. And then I realised I've got nowhere to stay. <laughs> I got like that. What am I going to do? That's like me in Madrid last yeah. year. Yeah, it was like going. I've got to find somewhere. And you're like that. And he went. And actually, all my mates were going home. I was. I was. I was. You always said I met me mates. I was back on my own again. Yeah, yeah. So um, I remember going to a bar afterwards, and uh, we're back to Taxim Square. We're in this bar. Uh, just down the street and everyone was dead quiet because it wipes the energy out of you yeah, yeah everyone's like that and you felt like you played yourself after those sort of games yeah definitely you? yeah you know you are so emotionally and physically drained but after one pint all of a sudden people start talking going, oh, what happened there and it was it was still the days where you couldn't see the immediacy of stuff on your phone you couldn't see it you know there was a there was a television in the bar and at, like on the hour or something like that there was news and you'd see the goals and you just get a, a glimpse of it you get a glimpse but you didn't see all, all that and it was like then 
people would come and go and he'd all the hugs would start and the songs would sing by five o'clock we're having a party you know what I mean by eight o'clock I thought I've got to get a train home now <laughs> and <laughs> I was crazy, wellied I was proper wellied yeah because I still had to go I went um, I went in via Greece and then northern Turkey so I still had to go back via uh, I had to get a 15 hour train to Thessalonica and then I had the night in Thessalonica and then uh, flight to Athens London train to Liverpool and then wait to go to the Isle of Man I come back to the Isle of Man on the Sunday I think it took me six days there and back and it was like they, it was an amazing time but I said it, I did most of it on my own mm-hmm. I wouldn't change any of it but that's why Kiev was probably a little more special because shared experience yeah mm. shared experiences are really valuable when you do with your mates it means more I suppose doesn't it I feel yeah. going now like uh, the memories we have even when we just go on day trips on the way over there we're well, talking about the matches that we've been to yeah, so. on, the, on the way home this is where I met you and Glover and with Charlie and we, you were talking to Charlie you didn't even have Tommy then Tommy wasn't even a sparkle <laughs> you're going oh I can't wait to be a dad and all this I can't wait to do this when in the future what's it like because you were pumping me for information about what's it like going to match yeah, with yeah, a yeah. kid and it was like and Charlie's sitting there going these are quite drunk aren't they <laughs> I went yeah he was, bang, he was bang on <laughs> that's what 3,000 a beer cow can do to someone <laughs> it was but but that, but that was a great day out do you know what yeah, I mean because yeah. actually that, that boat trip home made it as well yeah you know and and sometimes I like coming home on a boat because actually I see alone loads of people on the boat now in the old days I'd just go on my own and come back on the boat I didn't know anyone yeah and actually, well, I'll be all right. But actually, there's loads of great lads and girls who go from here. There's get loads talking. of lovely people. You get talking to someone, won't you? Mm. And all of a sudden, I can't, I, sometimes you can't remember your name, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, it's like, I've met the nicest people following Liverpool. Uh, some of the stuff I've done, I've travelled the world for work as well. And when, when you go anywhere and watch a game in a local supporters club, I've got mates in South Africa and Dubai and Gibraltar and all that, all because of the football. Yeah. Football all because club. of it. It brings everyone together, you know. And uh, some of them are expats, expat scouts. Most of them aren't, though. Mm. But what you realise is when you go around the world, people's dream is to come and watch them. People's dream is to go to Anfield or yeah. to go to Old Trafford or even Goodison, maybe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're lucky to do it, aren't we? We and are. It, on the away days as well, just go, just touching back on that, when I started going to the away, so I think my my first away was Newcastle away. The Which other, is summer away, that's yeah, it. Yeah, start it's with, a yeah. good... And we got beat 2-0, Genie Wine Album scored two, actually, for Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And then the other domestics I've done, so I've done Burnley, West Brom. It's only when you go to those grounds you appreciate all the pubs that you've got around Anfield I always had this I don't know why I always had this image in my head that you'd go to these away grounds and it'd be a bit like Anfield you know be in the middle of nowhere there's one or two pubs by Newcastle and by Burnley I think you gotta go to the cricket club you have to go to a cricket club yeah 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 yeah. and it was a shithole yeah 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 I mean Burnley I'm probably not gonna get any listeners from from Burnley (laughs) don't get any Burnley fans on yeah yeah but that place is almost black and white it's that dull (laughs) but like you say, it's the travelling down, and it's that's what makes it. This is the thing: is you, but do you know when you say like a, Burnley's a dull place or something like that? The, the thing that makes these places come alive is the football. You know, yeah. like they had a passionate crowd. Stoke mm. was the same. Stoke was always the same back in the day. Was when you went to Stoke, you knew you had to be on your toes. Because yeah. I tell you, I knew, you knew that if any of these teams beat Liverpool, the place was exploding. That's our cup final, isn't it? Oh, massively so. Mm. And I remember. Um, I went to Peterborough once and we got beat um, 1-0 in the League Cup and it was under Suness's time so this is going back to what 92 or something like that and uh, they totally deserved to win 
15,000 people in London Road and the place went nuts and it was bouncing and it was like that three years later I go to work for Peterborough United and I was working for them and in, in the corridors are the night they beat Liverpool and everyone talks about the night they beat Liverpool so when a small club gets a big club scalp mm-hmm. it's a massive thing yeah. because actually they are underdogs it's like you know that, that that's what they live for is to beat a big club because they know they're never going to win the league mm-hmm. and especially now you know people aren't going to win the league unless you pump millions and millions of pounds in like Burnley do brilliantly because look at what they do they survive again mm. and it, you know they're on a small budget and all that they just do a fabulous job and if you stay in the Premier League for a number of seasons done a good job yeah it's a bit like when Blackpool beat us Anfield yeah that, you know, it. and look where they are now but I they've know. got that for they've them got that they've got that forever yeah. haven't they so. and if you were one of those Blackpool fans in Tangerine behind a goal like that yeah that's one of your best life experiences. Oh, definitely, yeah. And he'd have been the Albert, not the Albert, they'd been the Arcos before the game and they'd gone out and it actually, you know, everyone from our lot walked away and went, well, you deserved it as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, um, and you know, going to places, like we, we look to go to the Bernabeu and we looked forward to going to um, the San Siro or the New Camp or the Alliance or something like that. And you go, people look forward to coming to Anfield and, and people from abroad, you know, if you look at the, the fans who come from Barcelona, say, they want to come to Anfield. Yeah, yeah. And the same, they want to go to Old Trafford mm-hmm. and they want to go to these places that are, are famous for the football fans and the passion and the, and, and the stuff in it. Yeah, That's I suppose it. we've made so many moments, haven't we? See, yeah. by Istanbul, Barcelona, Olympiacos. Did you do the Dortmund game? 4-3? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I was right next to the Dortmund fans. So, went to that. And I think, leading up to it, obviously, there was so much around Klopp and Dortmund and, you know, them kind of coming back together again. Once the match is over, obviously what happens, happens. The first thing I thought about was, you know, you grow up as a Liverpool fan and, you know, I was 10 when I watched Istanbul in Piarcos. Yeah. I didn't get a ticket for Barcelona, but obviously Dortmund's before that. You hear Set Etienne's another one. I was, just, hit, say, you you, mean, I was just thinking about Saint Etienne. I was you trying to think even, of the you game. You weren't even alive. You weren't even alive. <laughs> you, you Everyone grow. wants their Saint Etienne moment yeah. or the Olympiacos moment. And when or, that Dortmund game happened, I thought I finally got one for myself there. When, when Lovren scored that header, yeah, I, it was. It's, uh, that's one of the great European nights. Yeah, but, I mean, it's a shame that we didn't go on to win the cup final. But you're, I always wanted European nights. Yeah. <laughs> But you always want one of those moments for yourself. And I remember coming away from the ground thinking, I've got one of them now. No one could take that away from yeah, me. That's it, yeah. That, that's exactly what it's all about, moments. It's life life moments, you know. I think football can give you those life moments, but it also can give you the worst moments where yeah. the last-minute goal against you, you know, and that sort of stuff. Or that night in Seville, it's just like, at half-time, you're bouncing, and by the mm. end of it, you're devastated and you're walking away. Um, but football gives you that. Life gives you it in different ways. You know, when the kids are born and all that, you know, I, I made a mistake once. I said, uh, someone asked me, what's the best night of your life when I always stumble? And Nikki went, <clears throat> you know, I went, she goes, sorry. I went, oh, Istanbul was the best night of my life. And she goes, so not our wedding night? I went, no, because our wedding night was like the full 24 hours. I said, I don't look at it as just one night. It's a full day. And I thought I got out got of it. Got away with that one. I never, no, I never. I constantly reminded of it. You're allowed back in the house then. <laughs> I am allowed, allowed back in the house, but never mention Istanbul in the same, same <laughs> sentence here. So obviously you made the book in 2009, yeah. Dreams and Songs to Sing. How did that come about? Is that something that you've always wanted to do or...? No, not really. Uh, I never even got an English language O-level at school. You know, I was really lucky. I was proper scouts. I couldn't understand English. <laughs> um, I, 
I, I wrote, uh, I kept notes on the way to Istanbul. So I had this little notepad and I wrote funny things down. I seen, I wrote little observations. And I've done that ever since I was a kid, really. If you went, I went to America or something like that, I'd write bits down so I could then remember it. Mm-hmm. So it was helped me, those bullet points helped me picture stuff. So when I come back, I had this great story because I said it took six days to get there from here to, to Istanbul and back. They win the cup at half, at half time when they're out on their feet. Um, I'd done planes, trains and automobiles. I think I'd done, was it, five planes, four trains, a coach, a couple of taxis, a walked across a border. So it was like a boss story, brilliant. Yeah. Like an amazing story. And it was still the days where most people just went there and back. And I'd done it for half the price of a, an actual day trip. So for like 250 quid, I did all this sort of stuff. And it was dead enjoyable, really exciting. I had a great story. And everyone goes, what an amazing story. You should write it down. So I wrote this short story. And I passed it to a few people. And Nikki went, that's really, really good. And she went, oh, show it to one another. And there was two girls in work who were in a book club. I said, well, I've just written a short story. And they wrote it. went, that's amazing. It's got characters in it. And they were talking all this book stuff. I went, it's got characters. It's got like a big ending and it's great and all that. And it's funny and all that. So you write more. So I thought, oh, go on, I might write more. So I was traveling a lot at the time. So I had time in man. So on the laptop for work, I just write. So I wrote a chapter about um, cup finals. And then I wrote a chapter about going to match for the first time. You know, like seeing that green, green. So. And then I, I found the courage to write about Hillsborough. I wrote about my Hillsborough journey and the day and how it happened to me. I tried to go, this is what happened to me. I wasn't going on about um, anything else around it. It was my journey. And I, I, I wrote it through my eyes in a, what I thought was a clever way at the time. And as it turns out, a lot of people go, I, I really went on that journey with you and they, yeah. they, they understood more. And there's been some really good stuff. But then I, I thought, well, okay, if I write about Hi- uh, Hillsborough, I've got to write about Heisel as well, because it's a Heisel. I did, and I did. And then I wrote about a few European aways. And then I thought, okay, how do you structure this? But I put me in there as well, because I was just having Charlie. And then I was traveling the world and I was meeting all these people. And I, was, I could bring it all together because. The first chapter is based in South Africa when I'm, I'm out for work there. And, but actually, the first fella that I see on the ground in South Africa is a fella walking down the streets and it's 90 degrees. He's got a Liverpool scarf wrapped around his neck. And I think, that's mad. Yeah. And then I met like some great people. So actually, I, I built the book as a series of short stories and then I joined it together. Okay. So now I'm on book two. I'm doing mm-hmm. a similar thing, but there's a lot more... Um, probably the journey stuff so I've gone to people who've read the first book and asked for feedback and the bits they like the most and the bit they don't and you know the feedback is sold like four and a half thousand copies I think so you know got some met some really great people through it and I enjoyed doing it because I've always as, as you can tell I've got stories to tell so um, there's more coming fantastic so moving away now from the match day I want to ask a few specific questions on the football club so, how do you feel about ticket pricing, the structure of it, and the availability to fans? See, this is a, this is like um, it's opening up a can of worms. Is, this really. is a big can of worms, but it, it's one that should be opened up. I think it's too expensive for the amount of money that's in the game. But unfortunately, now with COVID, I don't think you're going to see 
the thing they could have done because I read somewhere once that you only saw something like Liverpool only got 7% of their turnover through the match day revenue you know everything else was you know through, through ticket prices but when you went to £77 when you did that and everyone staged a walkout yeah. I, I would have been on that walkout definitely. Game because definitely because you go you're just taking the piss now that's just that's not a working class man's game anymore and even you know 50 quid ahead but they go well the theatre is 50 pound ahead and, you know it's not the theatre you know it's a working class sport and it, but it's not a working class sport it's a moneyed sport now and you go everything else that goes around it it's an expensive day out and even if you're on a good wage it's too expensive and he could actually go you know when he did the 20s plenty campaign and stuff yeah. like that you know because you just go if you're going to an away match you go it's co- it costs a fortune you know when I used to go on the trains you could get a train fare for £5 to London on a special day and all this you can't do any of that now you've got to be really cre- clever and creative coaches are 30 or 40 quid to London for a day and you go well that's a lot of money. Do you know, man? Like Liverpool fans are coming from all over the place. So yeah, but you know, it's just you know, for us, regardless of the fact that we have to pay a ferry or a playing fare and all, it's an expensive yeah. day out anyway from here. Regardless of match ticket, but they were just going, "Oh, we can cream the money off these guys because they, they'll just pay anything." Yeah, because I, I think that was the view going. But well, if you want to come, if you if you don't want to pay it, don't pay it. Someone will fill your seat. And at Liverpool, someone would do. Yeah, you go. That's not the right way to look. And like going on from that, I think obviously touting's such such a massive oh, massive yeah. thing now. And you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm any any angel. I've not bought a ticket off of, off a of tout, but I think that's way they've got. You. Sometimes you're forced into that. Yeah, because you can't get it through. Legitimate sources. You want, you know, a match you want to go to. Yeah, sometimes you'll do you whatever you can to yeah. get there, won't you? Like I've never, I've never sold a ticket myself over the odds, and never will do because I will look for a decent lad who do it. You know, and I, I know lads who've helped me out when I've needed tickets, and, and you know, talk more tickets. Try getting one for your lad. Yeah. It's hard work unless you know someone who's not going. Or like I did this once. Where I went to the back room of a pub and got a card off a fella, and yo, you were Mr. Jones or whatever like that, and you took the card back. I've only done it once, but he had a stack of them, and yo, that can't survive. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, I've, I've had I've had a members card since 2014, and obviously, you know, the criteria you can only get get so many games, yeah, yeah, yeah. and through the the booking system, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. So you kind of if you don't you get that first game of the season, you've had pre-season, you want to get to that match you're forced into buying it off these touts in a way it's an emotional investment sort of thing unless one of your mates is not going if you want to be in that ground and I tell you what Mike there's nothing worse than being locked out of ground I've done it I've done it for the Chelsea semi-final I think it was 2007 and it was like devastating absolutely devastating because actually you're out there you can hear the crowd and go because actually you go the match to go the match and Mm. I felt really I felt for all those people in Madrid who were there who couldn't get the tickets. And I know loads were there going, okay, we're, we're all right with that because we know we're not getting a ticket. But, you know, ones who've been to every European away on someone's member's card and all that and then can't get anything. Yeah, I mean, like like last season, you touched on it there. So I went PSG away. I knew you were yeah, there as well, right, weren't yeah, you? Yeah. So I got a ticket for PSG. i done majority of the home games and the group stages. Didn't get a ticket for the final, obviously. Still went over, still had a boss time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went over, went to Valencia, and then we went into Madrid for the day. And like you say, it, it is heartbreaking not getting a ticket and you're seeing all these other people that got tickets, but you you kind of make up for it because you think, right, I'm not going to go to the match. Yeah. What am I going to do to make this day a bit more special yeah. for me? If you, if you resign to not going to the match, if you're like walking the streets trying to get a ticket, 
that's hard work and it was it, it, it was funny because I thought I'd be resigned to that with, with Charlie going to Madrid because I thought it was going to be really hard and in the end two people I know come across in ballots but uh, you know obviously my name goes on the ticket yeah exactly yeah. but actually they get the credit so so like when when matches come around I, I can't really get on that ladder even though like I've been to loads over the last three or four years I've got like two credits on my card yeah. even though I've probably been to about nine because actually you're going to go on everybody else's but then you just go that's the game and while they're giving tickets away to people who don't deserve them people who, who go regular do it there's got to be a better way but at the moment there's there's no real way of looking after the people who deserve to be looked after because you know like the the lads who give their ticket up to everyone to go all around Europe but then they take their own for the final you go okay well, they're well if you know that at the very beginning if it's a final ticket they're getting it still galling to build the credits up for definitely them, yeah um, but often their circumstances change you know you have kids and stuff like that there's no easy way but what annoys me is like people who are obviously going for the first time and I, I, in Kiev I was sitting there in Kiev and next to me were two Ukrainian guys with their girlfriends and we're in bang in the middle of the Liverpool end where have those tickets come from? Yeah. So what I'd say is let them have the tickets who do you get them off? Never get a ticket again because actually if you're I don't mind it going to people who go to match at all I don't mind it and I don't mind people going to match for the first time but if people are peddling it and making money on the back of it when good lads are going good mm. lads and girls are going without that's not right and it's the corporate side of it as well there's yeah. so many sponsors that are getting tickets I think the third the thing is, the further you go in the Champions League, the yeah. less tickets you get allocated because obviously loads of them are going to these corporate well, sponsors, aren't they? I'm going to be your kettle partner or your microwave partner. Yeah, you get 100 tickets. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Just go, oh, really? Do you know what I mean? It's hard work. And it's just like, it needs to be better. But the club are taking steps to work with the fans through Spirit yeah. of Shankly in 1906. They are working with them. And like, God bless them, they, 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 there's some great people. I think Tom Carroll's his name at Liverpool does a great job. They did brilliant with like, you know, um, the fan zone, that which was like, and Madrid was unbelievable. You know, 50,000 people there, whatever. But in the ground, all the flags went in the ground. Look at our end. Yeah. But as you look at the end the year before in Kiev, and there was hardly anything in there because you weren't allowed to. Anybody, you know, so they are engaging with fan groups. They still make mistakes mistakes they still do the errors um, I think you've had is it Tony Barrett as well you've had yeah, sports, Tony, Lee, Tony sports liaison as well yeah so you've got these people who, who actually understand it but there's still make, people making decisions yeah. who get it wrong the thing with Liverpool is when they get it wrong they have gone sorry we've got it wrong and backtracked but the thing I'm saying is don't get it wrong in the first place yeah. you make yourself look stupid it's already out there isn't it yeah it's already out there and people go you don't care and all of a sudden you have this backtracking there was, there was one earlier this year and I can't remember exactly what it was now but it was like that going, you're just letting yourself down again. And he backtracked really quickly. I can't remember what it was. But the, the £77 ticket thing was like that. You're like that. Hmm. What what game are you looking? Yeah. Look at the average wage. Because the average wage in Britain is about 25 grand. And then you're asking someone to pay £77 a game for home. And I know they're in all 77 But you just go, realistic. And, and you know, how are you going to get kids in the ground? Because, you know, I always think Liverpool, and I'm very, very proud of what Liverpool is, is um, the international side of it. You go everywhere and people want to go to Liverpool. And I, I love that. But it's like, it's got a Scouse heartbeat. Mm. And, you know, there's, there's this debate about Scouse free walls and all that. That's rubbish. The lads who sit in front of me, and they have done for 20 years, different scunter, home and away, everywhere you go. So, and, you know, look at us, we come from the Isle of Man. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? 
that doesn't matter. You know, if you're Liverpoolian, there's a way of doing it and all that sort of stuff. But it does have this Scouse heartbeat and it has this, this heartbeat that where the show, and what I always say, I always say it's people pay to come to see the show. But actually what Liverpool were doing, we don't want the show. Oh, we need it. Oh, we need it for our marketing campaign, or don't we? Because we need the flags, but actually we're going to treat you like there because you just come anyway. We go, no, you can't. So the fan groups, Spirit of Shankly got rid of um, Hicks and Gillette. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. what that's what fandom does. Stand up when the fans come together. It's very, oh yeah, very yeah. powerful, aren't they? Yeah. The the problem can be it's like food banks, isn't it? There's loads of great stuff with food banks, but then people are still seeing feed, feed the scouts even though like the week before yeah. you feed them to feed. There's loads of great stuff that fan groups do. Definitely. But if you read Twitter and stuff like that, you mm. know fans don't like each other. It was funny. I, I seen something when Liverpool play United this year. There's more that joins us than divides us. Was a video like people in uh, Man United fans in Manchester were going, Scousers are just the same as us. We yeah. hate them, but and then Liverpool were going, oh yeah, it's about the clothes, it's about going to match, it's about your mates. So, so there's more that joins us together than divides us. Definitely. Yeah. So 100%. when you see them singing "Sign On" and stuff like that, going, hold on. Yeah, what are you doing? Or coming to visit your hubcaps? Going, you know, crime rates were higher in Manchester, and you're still singing, like mm. you know, coming to visit your hubcaps. So you know, fans need to stand up for each other. But actually, we're e- we're easily divided, and there's some toxic to- stuff like Twitter. It can be really good, but it can be so toxic. And actually, you can't see who's on Twitter. Sometimes these fake profiles going. There's like an FSG out one, isn't it? Tends to be Irish people. Yeah, but who are they? One, one, you know, one of them I see all the time. How many matches have they been? You know, are they even Liverpool fans or are they just Evertonians or many? Yeah, because because actually everyone can masquerade as everyone else, can't they? Definitely. <clears throat> That's an so it? I like Twitter because I've met a lot of great people off it. There's lots of great people. And I've met them face to face, and then there's other people you haven't, but you have a relationship. But it's toxic, and we need to sort that out. Because actually, I remember going to Madrid. Tottenham fans were amazing. And Liverpool fans were amazing to Tottenham. Tottenham were amazing, and it was a great day out. There was kind of a big thing before that, wasn't there? They were saying, "Oh, English fans together and stuff." And we seen them out there, and we just got chatting to them, and they were like, "Congratulations!" And we were just they like, were made up we to have be a boss there. time, and yeah. it was like us in Kiev going. It was probably a year too soon for us, Kiev, but it was like, do you know, hundred thousand British people can go to Madrid and have an absolute ball and not cause any bother. Yeah, yeah. people need to praise that as opposed to take no. yeah, yeah. so for listeners that may not know you were actually at Hillsborough on yeah. that day so I know it's a very emotional subject for yourself and all concerns um, and I'm sure you've seen the video that Anfield wrapped it up at Selick Park yeah. did a yeah, day yeah. trip up there mm-hmm. so any listeners that haven't seen it I would really encourage looking at it even yeah. if you're not finding Liverpool it's not a Liverpool thing it's, it's a safe standard it's a it? football thing um, so I just wanted to know what your thoughts on safe standing were and do you think that's something that the football club could ever implement at Anfield I, I think it is something they could implement it's <clears throat> it's very emotional for us um, but the, 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 there's two camps the, there's the people going well, never ever ever and won't even discuss it and then there's other people well, okay well let's discuss it and even within the families I think there's a couple of camps really um, and there's, there's someone who says standing uh, someone I follow who says standing didn't kill her brother and it wasn't standing it was unsafe standing so safe standing how do you make it safe I think 
it's definitely worth the look, you know, like the rail seats and stuff like that, because standing in, in seated areas is unsafe. That's more dangerous than standing in a proper standing yeah. area. So I like what Celtic have done, and I think it, it could be trialled and it could be a portion, <clears throat> but it needs to be well-controlled and stewarded. And, you know, they need to behave themselves. The Green Brigade of Celtic get into trouble probably a bit too much at the moment. So actually it's starting to denigrate what they do. So there's a fine line. But, you know, I can't remember the last time I sat down at Anfield in the yeah. cop because everyone just stands up constantly and everybody's got battered shins and calves and all those sort of things because of the, the, the nature of it. And if, if you have a tumble in them, it's dangerous. You know, Hillsborough, for me, was it was about um, the nature of the environment, the ground. They were in pens, they were closed pens, so there was no lateral movement. You couldn't move from side to side. There was no escape, actually. And also, there was a pen at the front you couldn't get out of. So, you know, I was up on the side and I remember looking down on it and it was like, it's just like a whirlpool of people. And, you know, they couldn't get out the front, they couldn't get out the sides. People dragged them up at the back. But actually, once they were in there and there was too many in there and it was failings, it was failings. If if the capacity for that um, pen had been kept to, you wouldn't have had that problem. But actually, it was a pen if you listen to the language you pen animals yeah. but that's what they treated us like in the like 80s how? Yeah, yeah Man United were the same you know exactly the same um, type of standing area they had which was the scoreboard and the bottom of the scoreboard and um, the, the, the end opposite the Stratford end it was the bottom end and what they do they fill it and then they close the gate off and it would just be it would be three gates because what they could do is then they could always have a sterile area in between because well people didn't behave themselves but the view was you were always not going to behave yourself, behave to, to, to behave yourself. The problem in Hillsborough was actually they went, they, they didn't control the entrance to the, to the pens. And I think, so, you know, from a safe standing point of view, I would like to see safe standing trialled to go actually prove it works, prove it worked. But I also appreciate people who go never, ever on, on the car. Yeah. I, I, I get that because actually, you know, I didn't lose anyone. So my view is a valid view but actually people who lost people have a valid view as well you know it's just, you know, they, they lost family members you know and you just think it, it, for us it's not as, as clear as for some other people some other people are actually it, it, it's not as emotional for someone else maybe who could try it and Celtic does work I know the lads on the Anfield rap went up and went, work, control well does this and give it a go and see what it is but maybe not for us to be the trial. I think I, I think the main thing about it is I don't think I wouldn't want it to be an argument whether it's a yes or a no. Mm. I think it's about choice. I think if you if you want to stand at the match, you should be given the facility to do that in the best and safe possible way. The safest possible. You know, safety is paramount at the end yeah. of the day for all fans. Um, I think it's a struggle of Liverpool. Obviously, we've got the cop. I think you've got people that have been stood on the cop for years. They might not want to move. Obviously, atmosphere is a bit of a problem. Mm. Or it has been, maybe not so because we're doing so well now, but yeah. you know, years ago, it was a bit of a problem. Try getting the atmosphere going. Cause, cause when you're sitting you, down, you it's quite me, hard, isn't it? I'm 55 soon, and I've had my season ticket in the cop since I was 15. Mm-hmm. So actually, and, and of all the years seated, I've sat in the middle of the cop. Okay, well... I like to think I'm a big shouter and passionate and stuff like yeah. that. 
But a lot of my age group, going, I want to quiet life. I want to be in the main stand, maybe, or yeah, maybe just want to watch moving. the game, or you know, leave it to the youngsters. Because if you look at like an away crowd, how vibrant the away crowd is of youngsters. And I think you know the trip to Kiev, the or the, or the journey to Kiev, that become really noticeable. The 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 youth of the away support was all already identifiable. Previously, it was all the old heads because no one could get tickets. All of a sudden, we got this massive group of young lads and girls who are really passionate about doing it and yeah. going for it mm-hmm. so yeah I'd like to see it and you know it's maybe when you redevelop the Amphir Road you could go actually there's your element of safe standing there but actually then you go might take away from the cop but yeah I think it needs a bit more thought and a proper conversation about it I think there's just been maybe too quick to cut the conversation off um, but everyone needs to be heard everyone yeah yeah so kind of following on from that as a whole, what's the biggest mistake you've seen the club make? Um, so if I, if I kind of go in there, yeah. I mean, in my time, obviously it's Hicks and Gillette, I think. So you've got Spirit Shankly group coming in and they were obviously formed around then, obviously trying to get them out. Um, but you touched on it earlier about the club even though they seem to be doing a lot of great things with the fans now, they're connecting with the fans a lot more, yeah. food banks, etc. They still do make these owners that we've got now the odd the, the odd issue, don't they? Well, they don't understand it. And it depends who's making the decisions. I think, you know, it's, it's like... And they have listened because you know, they've got to give more power to the people who go the match. Yeah. And they're not the only owners to do it. You know, it's like, you know, I think, you know, when you're going to Europe and stuff like that, you only find out if you got a ticket three weeks before. You only get the criteria. Whereas Man United do it as soon as the draw comes. Like late you know sales. What the yeah, you know, there's two late sales where you've already got, you've already got your, um, your, you've got to get your flights booked early. Otherwise, you you are expensive. It is, but I think um, it needs to be. They need to be a bit more considerate. But also, we need to understand that it is a business as well. So you know, while you can criticise the club and go, football's a business. It's a it's a multi billion pound business, and that's what it is. And Liverpool are very good at the business side of things now. Uh, the biggest mistake I saw them do is they closed the club shop the day after they won in Istanbul. <laughs> you know I mean? going, they had no marketing now, and, and even now though. But that is a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's you massive, should, isn't it? You should be absolutely reaping it yeah. now. But even now, you go in Liverpool's club shop and go. Tell you what. It's not half as good as some of the stuff out there with Love, Follow, Conquer and mm. um, um, Pat Scarf and Abad and yeah. all those sort of things. And, and you know, some of, the, some, of, some of the stuff that the fans do. Okay, we, we, they, they took Hat Scarf and Abad to... They didn't take them to court, but they took them to Tasco and you can't use the live a bit because of copyright. Well, no, we'll, we'll get them on board then as a partner and allow them to use mm. it because, you know... Mickey runs it is a really really good fella he's brilliant brilliant lad some great designs I'm wearing one of theirs now I just go they were they were designing uh, match going gear for match going lads and you go Liverpool really could have got into that and gone there's a hat scarf and a badge concession got Mick on board paid him or like that or love follow conquer and go we're doing great stuff you know, imagine like a million one million t-shirts going. The opportunities there, isn't it? I think it's getting someone in there. They could have had too corporate. Yeah, and actually, you know, like it. even now, loads of people go. Look at the nonsense they're pulling out for the mm. champ for, for being champions. The stuff they've got is rubbish compared to some of the other stuff. Yeah, 
and you go I know every Tom Tom Dick and Harry is doing it now but there's some brilliant stuff out there yeah you, like you say you've got you've got you've got Mick at Hat Scarf for a Badge yeah. you've got Jockey at Chantal P yeah yeah the, well, the opportunity is there isn't it look at what everyone was wearing in Madrid it was either hat scarf and a badge or trans alpino yeah. or um, is it dreams of songs to sing uh, reds for threads yeah yeah they did some great ones you know mm. what I mean really really good and uh, I like to wear a hat scarf and a badge because you're supporting a local lad and, and the money's going back into yeah. follow reds isn't it and he's always followed the reds I remember from back in the day you know what yeah. I mean so it was like you know did, did, you want to you want to keep it local you don't want to go into like just like any old design but actually you should go they should engage with these more go come on come, come in house we'll pay you we'll pay you a wage and you can sit there all day and design away and actually we'll put it in your shop and you'll sell 10 times as many and Liverpool are known for being this not just a football club but an institution so they're looking after yeah what as a family and you know the logos what I think they more. did like they did was they brought Owen McVeigh foundation in house yeah and they sold the uh, the dad and lad going to match t-shirt which I love those because Back to Charlie. That's what it's all about. Yeah, now. I've got a few of them. Yeah, yeah, because that's where you go. That, and Charlie had one, and I had one. We used to go on a boat from here with them, and you go, that's that's what it's about when you're a dad. And you know, it's funny because a, a lad approached me about writing a book about dad and lads going to match, and he was a Celtic fan. Mm. And I just because was writing my own, I was like, going, I haven't got time to do it. But it's a great story because that's the thing is but it's just not dad and lads it's dad and lass I yeah. took his you know like yeah. I know one, one of the lads I know here he's got a couple of girls who uh, takes them to Everton all the time I don't know what they've done to deserve that like, <laughs> but no you know it, it's just yeah. it is I know Tristan here he's taking his little it's girl it's a family going, thing yeah. isn't it well it, it is and, and, and it never was when I was a kid there was very few kids but it's nice to see because they're your next generation and like you know if Charlie's got the passion that a lot of those lads who are in Rome and Kiev and all that have got like I'll be absolutely made up because <laughs> he'll have had an absolute ball and uh, there's a couple of lads who follow me on Twitter who reach out one to start a writing stuff now and they go everywhere and I'm going just write it down and they, they look at me going oh can you give us a bit of advice I go as much as you want anything to help you I didn't have the confidence to write anything when I was their age and there's some great stuff like the fan stuff from Anfield Rap and that um, they're, they're brilliant there's some brilliant content around so you know and, and hopefully for you Mike for this this is great Yeah. especially when you start to fans of other clubs because they're just the same as us Yeah. they just love football and they'll have their own experiences they'll have their own mates like us comparing experiences and stuff yeah, yeah. you know mm. we're lucky with what the opportunities we've got that's it you know, and so you've got to take your opportunity. Some people, the opportunity could be they went to a playoff final at Wembley or stuff like that. I've got lads who I'm still friendly with from Peterborough, and he went to a playoff final at Wembley. It was the it was the highlight of the life, or like a Johnson's Vans Trophy, yeah, something like that, or LDV or something. And it's like the best day ever. Mm. And they shared like tweets and videos of you go, ah, oh, because remember we went to Wembley, we got wellied and well, <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just we're, we're luckier than most here. Yeah. So flipping it on its head now, what are you most excited about in the future for the club? So obviously we've got Jurgen Klopp at the helm, and yeah. he, he's a god, isn't he? It is. Do, do you see? Do you see comparisons with Shankly and Klopp, or do you think they're a bit different? <laughs> they're different. I, I can see why people like to compare it and do it, and you go, "What? What Shank's always got was the power of the people behind the goal." 
and Klopp gets it. Remember that day when he took everybody to do the bow in front of the, yeah, the West Brom game, Brom, wasn't it? And everyone's going, oh, he's a divvy and all that, you know, like that. It's all for show. He realised that actually you can't have one without the other. If you haven't got the fans behind you, you can't perform as well. It gives you the extra 5%. And I think there's, do you know, there's no way Liverpool would have been so poor for the last 15 minutes against Burnley if fans were in the ground because the fans were and actually the fans have done that time and time when when you need a dragon out of it like Leicester and Tottenham and stuff like that, the fans the noise that comes out it gives you that extra 5% and it takes 5% off it's a the cliche team. but it is a 12th man isn't oh, it it, 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 it might and, be a cliche but it's bang on yeah and I'm, actually if you don't believe you can make a difference don't go to match and it's funny because like Barcelona last year and I was saying to people well if you don't believe that we can help them tonight, don't go sell Give your ticket to, to someone, someone else. Yeah. But every, everyone I was with believed he could make a difference. I mean, opposition fans always kind of take the piss with us, don't they? Kind of saying, yeah, they are. And they go, oh, Anfield's a myth. And, you know, da, 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 just because they've watched us play Southampton at 12 o'clock on a Sunday, you know. Let's see you get up for Southampton at 12 <laughs> on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you've been to Pot World as well. <laughs> <laughs> but the evidence is there for all to see. And it is, it's a jealousy, I think, isn't it? And it, it, it's this big grudge and jealousy I, I know a few United lads who, who are match goers and stuff and they go yeah, I get it they do get it and they hate coming to Anfield when the crowd gets behind it and you know there's a great bit where uh, Mourinho and Wenger in Madrid I've seen that yeah. and Mourinho says to the interviewer shut up this this is beautiful mm-hmm. and Wenger's going it's it's the worst place in the world. He said because I, I seen a, uh, an interview with him yesterday. He's going, they shake your hand when you take a corner, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? like that. And he goes, the hardest place in the world, and because it's so intense. But actually, when when that noise ripples down off it, imagine being there because you just think sometimes. I know against Dortmund, you couldn't hear a cop that well. Mm. But you could hear the Annie Road and you could hear the Kemlin were getting up and then you could see the main stand start bouncing and all of a sudden the, the cacophony of noise comes in. And I've been to places like Barcelona and it's quiet. Mm. It's not yeah. the same. Madrid, oh my word, it was so quiet. It's like the Chelsea game, the ghost goal. We, yeah. we sucked it into the sucked net. Sucked it in, yeah. And, you know, and it wasn't a goal. The line. <laughs> it was, it was. It was, it definitely was. Even VAR would have said it. But he'd have been sent off and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for, for me, the, the, the thing that excites me is that it's no longer about me. The thing that excites me is it excites Charlie. And I don't know if Liverpool will go on to build a bastion of, you know, invincibility and all this sort of stuff. But I do know the man in charge will demand it. And I do know that he gets it and like as a man as a man you've got to love him for what he is and respect him and he he gets us and that's not he gets scouts he gets us as a fan base yeah and he plays the game well he surrounds himself with great people and I just think the future is exciting what it looks like post-covid for me I didn't really celebrate the 30 years that that mad because actually I found it hard to celebrate because I was more relieved than anything because actually I got to the point, Mike, where I thought I might never see it before I die. And I'm only 54. And I, but I got to that point going, oh, it's never for us. And actually, you know, I hear people saying 30 years ahead. It's not really. We've had a great 30 years. You know, doing the league, what I found winning the league is it stopped all the abuse because you've got nothing against us now. They've got to go somewhere else. They can't go, oh, you never won the premiership. 
it's got that monkey off your shoulder and actually it's given us the real ability to go we can get across yeah. the line I think Klopp said something I don't know if it was last year or the year before when we were going for the league and we were toe to toe with City and he said we've got to enjoy seasons if City get 100 points we get 92 we've got that, and that's not a failed season we've still got a no. We've still got to find a way of enjoying a season. Well, what was it the season before last? 25 points behind him, mm. then one point behind him, and then 25 ahead of him. Yeah. Like, what? Really? I think that was a massive thing for him to say then. Yeah. Like, like you say, you come, come back. It's he, not he gets failure. It. Yeah, it's not failure. It's a step on the on the road to to being brilliant. And, you know, I, I listened to a guy a few, a few years ago, and he went, winnings by inches. You don't turn around overnight. It's like a, it's a cultural thing. And his biggest point was on it on, on the day that he got a point, he went, "I'm going to turn doubters into believers." Two years ago, we still had doubters. Last year, we had doubters. Look where we are now. Not many now doubters. World European and got Everton, England champions. Yeah, we just don't win the Mickey Mouse ones. <laughs> <laughs> so finally. So obviously the podcast is centred around going the match. Mm. So of every podcast we're going to do, um, I want to end by asking, what are your top three favourite matches you've been to? So it doesn't have to be based on the 90 minutes itself. It could be based on something that happened during the day, the lead up, whatever reason. I know you've got a few to pick from, so... I've got too many to pick from, but I'd, I'd probably go for uh, some surprising ones, actually. That maybe surprising and it's actually it's like a, a time and a place it's like that age thing again you know we've just talked right away through from me being probably six or seven years of age to being 54 and actually the first one I've got is uh, we beat Tottenham 7-0 and it was uh, I, I wrote it down on purpose 1978 <laughs> and it was 7-0 and Tottenham were, in, were like a new breed I think I think they'd only just come up but they bought our dealers and Vera who'd been in uh, the Argentinian cup winning team so they had this ticker tape welcome everywhere they went you're playing ticker tape football it was all fabulous and all that and they come to Anfield as like pretenders and I always remember it was a beautiful sunny day roasting hot day and I think it was August yeah um and it was um, just enough into the season that Liverpool were getting a stride and we smashed them 7-0 <laughs> and, and it was like I think it was 3-0 uh, at half time and I, I remember saying to my dad I, I, I was sitting in my granddad's seat and he sat down the Anfield Road end uh, we're probably about the edge, the edge of the penalty box so where, where the away fans are now uh, he sat probably about hundred yards away from there, like right on the edge of the um, the box, but probably hundred yards, right on the edge of the box. But it, the way fans were in the far corner, used to stand up there. And uh, I remember um, at half time, I said to my dad, I said, "Ah, oh, can't get any better second half, can it?" Because they were brilliant and all that. They were three, and he were playing the best football. And he come out, and then he, they were even better. And the last goal, the one that everyone remembers, is the Teddy Macheder, and he wins it on the edge of his own box, and he brings it out, and he puts it to Stevie Highway, and Stevie Highway goes down the wing and right in front of me Stevie Iway crossed it and then McDermott just arrives after winning it on the edge of his own box he's run what 70 yards and he plants this header right in the top and it was like the most amazing goal might have even got goal of the season but it's like that's the goal I went like yeah. that that was the highlight of my youth or my young days going to watch Liverpool it was just amazing so that, that that's like really stands out because you know the sun the green grass all those things as a kid and actually they were they were just 
right on form. And obviously they 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 they, they just won the uh, the European Cup again like that. So you know you had Dalglish and all this. They were, they were amazing. Do you know what I mean? They were just they were just at the top of the trees. Uh, Sunes was marshalling them, and you know just anything you could. You know, they were just fabulous. Um, but then I roll it forward to 1992, and for for a lot of older Liverpool fans, you, you often hear this one get quoted. This is one of the best European nights, and this was a night when he beat Jose three 0 and actually only 23,000 people were in the ground. It was half empty, but the cop was full. But the stands were there was hardly anyone in the stands. I think Jose brought about three or four hundred. Where are they from? Uh, France. Oh, right, okay. But they had this uh, fabulous manager called Guy Roux, a very famous French manager, and Jose were like actually a force in Europe. They were a very good footballing mm-hmm. team. I think they might have won the French league, but it was before PSG had money. So yeah. you know, it was, it was sort of like that. Jose were a very big name in the early nineties on 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 the European scene. Played great football, strong. And he come and he beat us two 0 and Jose, and we were lucky to get nil. To be fair, we were terrible. But when he come back, so everyone went, "Ah, oh, probably out anyway." So actually, money was really tight. So Kemlin Road half empty, Anfield Road half empty. Main stand was dead. There was no one in it. But the cop was pretty full. When you look at the cop, it was rammed. You know what I mean? So the atmosphere was really good. And he got a goal after about four minutes, and Moby scored the penalty. And then they went in the second half. We, got, we were two 0 half time. And then as you were, were, Liverpool just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And they had a man sent off. And then Mark Walters scored the goal. Like you know, it was a bit like just class. And the crowd went absolutely mental. At the end of it, it's like you won. The, you won the European Cup. Won it, but it was like, And actually, it was the, it was the, it was the turnover. And it was such. We were in that age where we were becoming a poor team. Yeah, we we started to. Capitulate. On the decline, we were on the decline, and you could really see it. Do you know you had players in there who really go? Actually, it was a mishmash of players, and the older players were getting old. And Jan Moby was carrying probably a two a stu- two stone over what it, what he what he should have done, but he was still class above yeah. Moby. Like, um, but yeah, all of a sudden, from a, a team who'd shown very little passion that year, because I think what what happened to Hillsborough? Don't ever underestimate the devastating effect it had on the club. I think we do because I was talking to someone last week saying I walked around in a daze for a year after Hillsborough imagine what the players did so you just think and all of a sudden Kenny had gone Sunes had come wasn't a great place to be really wasn't a great place to be and all of a sudden they showed this energy and passion and belief and we got behind them and we made the difference and the 12th man was in full effect so I'll always remember that wasn't yeah it? And um, probably the last one was Barcelona last year I thought you, you can't probably not. the greatest European at Anfield isn't it you Does it well? It is. Do you ever see that being topped? Well, I, I never had. To, well, I can't. I can't see how you could do unless you were six nil down to get to to Real Madrid or something like that, and he had every superstar. And it was FIFA game. I don't think you can do. I think. Do you know? The, the, the big thing was they didn't deserve to get beaten Barcelona three nil. They played really, really well. But and it actually, you know, I think Dembele should have scored in the last minute, shouldn't he? And it was like could have been four, and it. You come away from there and someone goes, oh, you got beat 3-0 by Barcelona. That's embarrassing. It wasn't embarrassing at all. It was a great performance. It was just, and he, he, you know, sat it at the bar or the post and, he and, and all this. So I was going across and someone said, what are you going across for? That's, it's a dead rubber. I went, no, it's not. I said, if they get one, Barcelona has already gone out in the previous year to Roma. I said, they'll creak a bit, I think. And I was saying that in the thing. And when we got to Frost on County Road, I was going, I don't even know what I'm doing here, some lads were. But by the time you left, we'd all go, go on, you're never going to win it. Like, you know, after a couple <laughs> few of ales are in there, that's like it, going, isn't it? I said, if you don't believe, don't go. 
Because actually, if we get one, but you did always have that fear you'd ship one. And obviously, you probably watched the highlights about five five million times, don't you? They have some good chances. Mm. Alisson made some really good saves. Coutinho has one, Messi has one. But actually, that belief... And once Liverpool got the second and the third right away, because I think to get it within probably a minute's playing time of each other, it was always going to do, but you always thought they might just sneak one. But then James Milner took it into the corner in the in the 98th minute or whatever it may be. Bit of shithousery. Oh, he's brilliant though, isn't he? Yeah. I, love, I love Milner for that. And you go, that was it. And he coming out of it and I, it was just like, you were buzzing. You went to the pub afterwards and then I didn't sleep till about five o'clock in the morning there. Because A, he was booking me trip to Madrid. <laughs> but I'd let, the morning before, I had let, I had a, this trip to Alicante booked and I had a, a, a flight for 35 quid and at 3 0, I thought I had to book it and it was like, I just went and let it go. And that was the day after the, the first leg and I should have just done it because it cost me a couple hundred quid in the end. I should have believed more. I was a doubter after I was a top believer and it was like you know what I mean but it was carrying so much emotion and um, when I got to Madrid I was a nervous wreck because it was just too much on it I, I, in the second half I must have gone for about five pisses and <laughs> I think six bottles of water probably why I went for five pisses you know but it was just such a nervous wreck and then it burst into tears at full time the emotion of it was just because it, it had been such a battle to get there and uh, so the Barcelona bit for me can never be topped because I, I don't see how you can do. Because what what? Because they they're one of the best teams in Europe, if not the best. And yeah, we've, the, ab- we've absolutely ruined them. We had Firmino out. We had Salah out. <laughs> no, yeah, we had the Regan. They, had, they are arguably the best players ever lived. Yeah, playing in their positions. Suarez trying all his tricks. Casino you know, was back. Yeah, it was written there for him to get a poxy goal on it or like a yeah. stunning free kick. And actually, when you have, you have you seen the documentary, the Barcelona documentary yeah. on Rakuten, and you go, um, if anyone listening hasn't watched that, because at half time Jordi Alba's crying he's in his tears, eyes isn't out. He? <laughs> and, and to be fair, he's a fault for the second goal as yeah. well. So if you were the manager, you go, right, you're off, because actually he was done. And Messi even mentioned it again the other day. Yeah, they are does. totally ruined by Liverpool. <laughs> How do you love that? Yeah, so they're my three. I said I had loads to choose from for different reasons. But I think they're the they're, they're not a bad three, like. I don't think there's any better way of finishing the podcast <laughs> oh. and talking about Liverpool's best European home there game. You go, mate. So Keith, thanks so much for coming on, mate. Massively appreciate it. You're thanks welcome, for your time. Mike, anytime, mate. Yeah, brilliant.